Well, shalom everyone. This is Dr. Dina Dye and this is Returning to Eden and I have my cohort with me, Jeff Morton. Are you there, Jeff? I am. Good evening, everybody. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, we're so glad to have Jeff back safe and sound in one piece after yes. his uh, <laughs> travels across the globe, or at least south, to uh, Akipa, Peru. And tonight we're going to talk some about that experience and he's going to share with us what's on his heart and what's going on with the folks down there and how is this how is this message being received there and how is it going forth etc but but before we start there we both wanted to take just a, a minute to pray for the the children and families whose lives were lost in Syria that terrible that gassing there uh, it's just heartbreaking the pictures that have come out so Lord, we just pray for these families, innocent victims of a war in Syria, of madmen, and we ask for your divine intervention. We pray for complete healing and restoration. Uh, just some of those pictures we've seen is just heartbreaking. You are the great healer, the great deliverer. Only you can intervene in this situation. We pray that this war would end. We pray for reason and sanity to return. We pray for those uh, Christians that are in Syria that have been so persecuted. We ask, Lord, that you would be with them, that you would have compassion and mercy on them, and that you would be in the, in the midst of their circumstances and that you would change them from the inside out. We pray as Americans that we could help in any way, that you, any way possible. We pray for open doors in that regard. Lord, we, we pray that our nation would just would stop ignoring the situation there, that we would step in and we would help and be a comfort in any way we can. And thank you, Father. And on that note, um, Jeff, I, you know, th there's a lot to share. I, I imagine it's probably going to take more than a 30-minute show. But just begin with, why did you go there? Well, um... Uh, about two and a half years ago, I was uh, walking out of the sanctuary at El Shaddai Ministries, and a gentleman was coming towards me, and I felt the Ruach say to me, say hello. And so I spoke to Rick Davis Court. I didn't know him, never seen him before. And he was just fresh off the plane from Peru, and he had heard about El Shaddai Ministries. He lives, in, uh, he lives about two hours away from... Um, uh, from Tacoma and he had just gotten off the plane from Peru and he wanted to make a stop at El Shaddai Ministries to check it out before he went to the Tri-Cities area which is uh, east of Tacoma which is where he lives and he comes home frequently uh, uh, in between his his responsibilities in Arequipa. So I spoke to him. I said hello how are you? My name is Jeff Morton and we have become great friends in two and a half years, and he invited me to come to Peru. Uh, and so I checked in with Adonai, and I said, Lord, if it's, if it's your will for me to go, uh, I'd like to go, and I'd like to see what he does. And uh, that's how this whole, that was the genesis of this whole thing. But I, I have to say, too, a, a year ago, a year and a half ago, uh, my good friend Nathan Graves and I, we put together a fundraiser to help Rick with what he does. He is the president of Restoring Children International, which is a um, nonprofit that helps uh, rescue girls, specifically girls, uh, 
didn't start out that way when he went to Peru, and that, that takes too much time to, to really address in this 30-minute program. But he rescues children, little girls, young girls, teenage girls, who have um, either been abandoned, uh, attempted murder, rape, you name it. Uh, and so he, working with the country, the authorities, he set up a home for girls. He doesn't like to use the word orphanage. Uh, and when I was there, I would, I'm happy to report that I never felt like, I still don't know what it's like to go into an orphanage because what I experienced this last 10 days was a home for a bunch of girls being raised by a papa bear and his staff. So uh, that's how I ended up down there. Uh, the fundraiser we did a year and a half ago raised about $5,200 and then uh I thought, well, if I'm going to go to Peru, I'm going to ask everybody to help pitch in. And uh, I created a Fundly page, and we ended up taking $3,000 more, 3010 bucks and 44 cents to be exact, uh, with me on this trip. And that's largely due to donations and contributions from people who follow us, Dean. And I know, that, uh, I know that you have something to say about that as well. But that's how I ended up in Peru. I went down there for 10 days. And it was truly a, a remarkable experience. I'm, I'm eager to share some of the things that happened. Yeah, something like that is life-changing. You're, you're never the same when you have an experience like that. And I, I've sort of, I haven't met Rick in person, but we've communicated online. And um, very, what a sweet man and just a humble heart. And he has totally dedicated his life to these girls. I'm, I mean, they're, you know, they're not family, he's on the other side of the world, and yet he has just uh, laid down everything and, in a sense, taken up his cross, if you will, to follow the Messiah and to do the Messiah's work. This is exactly what Yeshua has called us to do. Um, before we get into some of the things that happened on your trip, maybe you could just share a little bit more of the logistics of, his, of the ministry and how it operates in Peru. Uh, perhaps how many kids are there, and just sort of maybe a, a day in the life of how, how that works down there. Sure. Um, it's an interesting story. Rick um, Rick was called to Peru. He he will tell you that one day the, 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 the God that we all serve uh, asked him if he would go to Peru and do this work, and he went. Uh, he had at some point built a home from the ground up, a very nice complex. He actually took me by and, and I saw it. Uh, it had a church. It had a sanctuary. It, it had the the the, the uh, accoutrements for the girls to sleep in, and that was stolen from him by some pastors, actually, <laughs> one mm -hmm. in particular. Terrible. So now and now he has started over again, uh, and he's had some of these girls have have been with him since the age of two, and they're. They're college age now, a couple of Amazing. them are in college. One actually came back uh, after she married. She came back and she's now a staff member. Wow, so he, look at that. Doing this, yeah, her name is Elizabeth. And he's been doing this uh, for a number of years to where he's actually raised kids. They've gone on to college. They've gone on to, to careers and whatnot. But now he's in a different building. It's much smaller. It's not as nice as the facility he built. And he built using his family's money. Uh, an inheritance, uh, but he is committed, and so with what he is now doing, he's in—he's uh, like minutes away from the airport, 
Okay. Uh, it's, it's not the same neighborhood. It's a little different, but uh, he's got 25 girls in the home, and uh, there's actually a, a young boy, Luigi. I didn't get to meet him. He's a child of one of the girls. Uh, he was in Lima, which is an hour and 10-minute flight from where I was. I was on the side of the Andean Mountains, <laughs> 9,000 feet up. Uh, and I, I, when I looked out my window, I looked at three volcanoes. <laughs> so, um, but that was at a different uh, home for an orphanage. Uh, and I'm going to try not, I'm going to respect Rick and not call them orphanages. But this was another home established by another husband and wife team, and they've been there for a number of years. And uh, they invited me to stay there because Rick will not stay in the home with the girls. Right. He has a place outside, and certainly I didn't want to be in the home. So sure. I stayed in a different place. Um, but the, the area is its kind of a culture shock because the poverty in, in some of the places that I went to was stark. I mean, it was mm -hmm. stark. Yeah. Uh, no roads. Uh, I went into one particular home uh, of a friend who was a girl whose, parent, whose mom used to, uh, the daughter was in the home, and there was they've been having some heavy rains down there, but we went into the home and the entire floor, concrete, was covered with about half an inch of water mm. uh, because the roof was gone. And, oh uh, my gosh! When you, when you and, and the the walls to the place were made of tin and it's just uh, you know it's it's something most Americans can't imagine living in, and yet she was raising her children in this home. That she Look owned, that. yeah. And uh, so, so it was a, it was a, it was an eye-opening experience. And I have to, I have to confess, as an American, we, we really don't understand when you give to some to an organization like this. You really don't understand what you're doing until you go and see it. Right. And uh, so. Uh, and for me, I thought, well, South America, okay, everybody's Mexican down there, so. <laughs> uh, and that's, and I don't say that to be flippant, but that's what I was thinking. Right. You know, I well, was that makes sense. thinking yeah. that everybody down there looks Mexican, and uh, the Peruvian people are nothing like Mexican right. or Mexico. And so I got to see that, too. I got to see different races within Peru. So it, it's been... Uh, uh, let me tell you, it's been a, it's been a powerful experience for me to go and and do what we did. So. Yeah, and like I said, it's life changing. You you don't forget. You'll always go back to that place, and you know that the father's called you to do it, and and who knows what doors are going to open from that. Um, could you just take us through a day in the life of there? How, you know, just sure. from getting up in the morning and how how that went. Well, I gotta say uh, before I do that, I met some of the most amazing little girls. Uh, you know, they they just grabbed my heart. I've been thinking about these little girls ever since I left. Uh, they've been in my heart and in my head and in my spirit and in my thoughts since I got back. But what typically would happen would Rick would drive to where I was staying. He would leave his place. He's living in a bedroom that somebody has offered to him in a home, a nice home. And so he gets up and he gets himself ready and then he came to get me. And then we would typically go have breakfast either at a restaurant. He's a creature of habit, I'm not. 
but we would go to the same little Turkish restaurant in Peru and eat breakfast, and, or we would go to the directly to the home in the the uh, some of the girls and the staff would have made breakfast, and so okay. we would eat. And then uh, Rick would, would he was nonstop for ten days. He was nonstop. There was one day uh, when when the lights got dark and the sun went down where we went and had uh, pizza at a restaurant. I actually wrote about the restaurant on my blog. Uh, I did a review of it. It was outstanding. But that was the only time that he really was not going nonstop. Hmm. So he would go and he would make appointments for the girls. We took one of the girls shopping for school clothes. Uh, he had dental appointments and various things, uh, activity throughout. Mm -hmm. But we would then come back for lunch and start his routine all over again. So um, we had an incident where one of the teachers at one of the schools threatened to whip one of the girls. And uh, I got to see uh, Rick, I got to see a papa bear. <laughs> In action, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because, uh, no, he is extremely protective yeah. of those girls. And so he was dealing with that issue. And there were other things going on that uh, he did not allow me to, to really get involved with. But what I did see was the man dedicated to supporting, loving, and encouraging these little girls or young girls. And uh, I never felt like I was in an orphanage the whole time there. i got to say that again. I felt like the spirit of the living God was there every single day mm -hmm. that I was there. Some of the girls have scars and emotional issues, and, and I got mm -hmm. to see some of that. But for the most part, my role was to encourage and lift up and hug and embrace and share and, and just be... Um, be somebody supportive to all the girls, and, and I, I think I did that very well. So, and then we would come back and have dinner. Mm -hmm. uh, either we would eat there, or we, Rick and I would go out somewhere. There's always a staff member, a female staff member in the residence. Okay. And uh, they stay in for a week, and then they have a week off, and and then the other person would come in. Uh, we also there was a staff member that was a prospective staff member. And uh, she called and decided she wasn't going to do the job. But but in the meantime, one of the girls had complained that she this woman walked up to her and told her to get out of that chair. I want to sit there. And so when Rick found that out, he wasn't going to hire her anyway. <laughs> so, I mean, I got to see this. Sure. Man, protect yeah. these children. Wow. Uh, but they're... That's just in a home. Driving around in our keeper of Peru is another story. <laughs> I, I called it um, demolition derby. Yeah. Uh, and the goal not to hit one another, and it was just madness. People change when they get behind the wheel of a car down there. So I, every time we went somewhere, it was like this this demolition derby thing to get from one place to the next. There's, it was crazy. It yeah, was crazy. Yeah, it's like that. Yeah, no, because I I drove in Malaysia under those circumstances, <laughs> in a in a town that has streets that that are spaghetti noodles because they don't go straight ever. Right. And everybody, there's no lanes, so I understand what you're saying. Well, the, the rains have washed out mm. a lot of the pavement where there was pavement. Most of the roads that I went on, the higher up you go and and where I was the poorer it becomes. Okay. And there's no infrastructure. The roads are really the roads are 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 dirt roads and gullies. Uh, but also down in town the roads were 
there was potholes, craters, craters filled with rocks because there were potholes. Right. And a little bit of of asphalt here and there. Yeah. <laughs> so if you're on a one-lane road, you've got three cars in this one-lane road. Yeah. And you're all trying to dodge the potholes and the crevices yeah. and the trenches. And and then oh, and then there's dogs. Dogs are like dandelions. They're everywhere. <laughs> And they're everywhere, and you know you you you're driving on the road. The median between the road you're going one way on and the road going the other way is covered with dogs that are taking a rest, taking a a dump, uh, or whatever, or trying to create another puppy. It was yeah. everywhere. Goodness. So, so it, was, it was an interesting experience to say the least. Okay. Well, so we know, I mean, that part of the world is heavily into Catholicism. Yes. And there's Rick uh, embracing a Torah lifestyle, beginning to teach the girls about the Torah. Uh, just can you talk to us a little bit about that, uh, how, well, how, how that went? He, Dina, he's actually two years down the road reconnecting the Gospels to the Torah. I like okay. to say that. So I was impressed. Uh, come Shabbat, Erev Shabbat, they had a big Erev Shabbat meal. One of the girls, uh, we entered the Shabbat. She lit the candles. She did a lot of the Jewish tradition. Uh, <clears throat> we said the Shabbat prayers. We said the blessings. We had our meal. And then the next day, Saturday, Rick would teach a Shabbat lesson or he would teach a, a Torah portion. He, I, I got to see two, two Shabbat Saturdays. But the girls were very responsive. They were saying the Shema, and they were, you know, they, this is not something that was new to them. And they participated, and they asked mm -hmm. questions as Rick was teaching from the Torah, or from the Tanakh, I should say, and, and the Brit Hadashah, for those of you who don't know what I just said, the Old Testament, the New Testament, I don't like those terms. But uh, th this was a... Uh, you have to understand, I've got a four-year-old child sitting at a table with a 16-year-old child and everything in between, mm -hmm. and they're having a Torah discussion. Wow. And I and, and it's all in Spanish because I don't speak the language, so I'm listening to this dialogue go back and forth, and every once in a while Rick would interpret for me. But these kids are pretty well down the road with uh -huh. understanding the Torah and the Tanakh and, and uh, various, the Torah portions, the Haftorah portions, they, they're, they're well-versed in this. And, uh, and and of course, Rick is kind of the Lone Ranger down there, so I was kind of mentoring him yeah. uh, with some of those things. And then I got an opportunity to speak, and we'll talk about that in a minute, but I got an opportunity to share with the girls and just kind of share some things with what little bit I know uh, based on the 10 years that I've been walking this road. So... I was well-received by the girls. In fact, I shed a few tears uh, more than once while I was there. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'll tell you about the last day uh, when uh, when we get towards the end of the program. It, yeah, and we're, what, we're 20 minutes into it already? It's going to go fast. <laughs> well, but that's anyway. what I'm saying. It's, it's too important to race through, and, and really I, I feel like we should have another uh, 30 minute, you know, to talk about some of the, the things because there's no way we can cover all your trip you hear in, you know, in a brief yeah. 30 minute segment. So don't don't feel rushed because we'll just pick it up next time. So I, I, 
There's How's the response? Uh, you know, so Rick is in there. He's in a world of Catholicism. He is, you know, as you said, two years down the road, understanding, you know, the foundation of his faith. He's moving in that direction. He's teaching the girls, and then now they're going out in the community, and I'm sure they're sharing. So how, you know, what's that like, and has there been any pushback against what's going on? Well, um, I, Rick had set up for me to speak to a couple of groups of people prior to my getting there. And uh, I think the first, I, I, I arrived there on a Thursday, and I think I spoke Friday night, the first night, okay. uh, to a group of about 20 people. And uh, there was a pastor in the room and his wife. Uh, and that's a, that's a very, this particular pastor and his wife, uh, yeah, I certainly would like to speak more about them next week if we can. Sure. But I, I began to share some stuff. And, and uh, there was at one point when I got to, um, I, I, I spoke for two hours explaining the, the Bible that, in truth, most Christians have never seen. Right. Okay? And these weren't Catholic priests. These were Christians. One was a Baptist pastor. The other one was an Assemblies of God pastor. Uh, there was a lawyer in the room. But uh, I shared some information with, I shared about the uh, Ezekiel thirty-seven fifteen, which is where I, I, I like to go, about the two sticks. Mm -hmm. Jeremiah 31, 31, and a few things along those lines. And uh, the pastor was sitting there, and his eyes were going up and down, and he's like, whoa. And uh, so I could see that he was he was paying attention. The lawyer was absolutely enthralled. Hmm. And when I got done that particular night, uh, several came up to me and said, we've, we've never, never seen this in the Bible. How, how come we've never seen this, including the pastor? Mm -hmm. So uh, Rick's kind of focused on the girls. Yeah, uh, and you know he—he's not necessarily a teacher of this information, uh, and so he's presented it, and the response has been kind of lukewarm. Um, uh, but he's—and he's—he's kind of frustrated, to be honest. He's kind of frustrated, and you know how how we all get when we when we come into this understanding. We go, my God, there's so much we don't know. Right. Well, that's kind of where he's at, but. I was an icebreaker down there that night. Okay. And so we, we had some, uh, in fact, both pastors that I spoke to invited me to their home the next day, uh, one the next day, and then eventually the other pastor, he invited me to his home. They wanted to know more. So um, cool. I spoke at a church uh, a few nights later, and uh, the people in the church were gasping, and they're going, oh, my God. And I could see that they were really kind of blown away. Yeah. So Look at it, that it hunger for the word. Well, you know, it's people like, are um, so hungry for what it's, you know, that that tangible aspect of the word and the power that it is and 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 all these things have been in these boxes and now they're all kind of connecting. It's it's powerful. Right, and these people are hearing something new and and interestingly enough when you have an audience that's receptive to this, they're they're all hearing something new. And I yeah. think in our time, people want something new, or or, or they're just flat out leaving the churches. Yeah. But but uh, this was a remarkable thing that happened 
uh, as I was talking and sharing with people. And of course, Rick has the Hyasode, uh, First Fruit Designs Hyasode. Okay. And he has it in Spanish, and he's trying to put together a group of people. And I was told today, I spoke to him today, that there is a group of people that are going to start doing the Hyasode on Saturday night. Okay. So, you know, That's it's cool. Yeah. For me, Dina, I'm sitting back going, wow, Lord, what are you, what are you doing? What, why am I here? Yeah. Because it was, it was, um, it was spectacular. Yeah. And, but in the eyes of the world, you know, and, in, and really in the eyes of, um, I don't know, what, that, that part of Christianity we have here with giant, uh, giant churches filled with, I don't even want to go there. This is 180 degrees out of phase of American Christianity. Yes. Because it's just, you know, it's not a numbers game. It's about people and their heart and growing and going to, you know, the furthest most parts of the world and bringing a message that changes hearts and, and breathes new life into them. And, and that seed is planted and there's no telling what kind of fruit that will bear. And it doesn't look anything like, you know, going into a 10,000 person, you know, church on Sunday and hearing pablum week after week. You know, this, to me, is the heart of the gospel. Well, and Dina, um, you know, I, I certainly echo your sentiment there, but at the same time, <clears throat> I'm, wa I'm watching something happen. It's almost like the Father is uh, presenting the gospels, the Brit Hadashah, or the Torah, to Israel, and he's presenting the Torah to a lot of Christians. And so I see both groups <laughs> kind of inching towards one another. Yeah. And I'm inching going, is God, right. <laughs> the two are becoming one, and, and, and they're hungry, and the, and the Jews are going, what's going on? And the Christians are going, I've never heard this before. And But the interesting thing about where I was, the poverty was stark. It was visible, and it was right now. And these people are looking for hope in Peru, yeah has a lot of witchcraft. It certainly mm -hmm. has the um, the vestiges of Catholicism draped over it. And so it was a dark place. However, while I was there, I felt the presence of the Ruach with me the entire time. And certainly in the, in the eyes of these children. Uh, and I really do want to speak about these little girls and, and talk to you about some of the personalities and things. So yeah, we can do this next week just to kind of finish this off. And I will say this, too. I look forward to going back. I, I mean, I yeah. don't speak the language. It was extremely poor. There was poverty everywhere, dogs everywhere. So people drive <laughs> like they're in chaos. And I'm going, Lord, what did you plant in my heart? I want to go back. Yeah, and that's when you know it's a work of the Lord. Because in your own flesh, you go, this makes no sense. Why would I go there? You know, that's And that I think that's true for Rick you know yeah. in the natural this makes no sense and yet he has you know he has not given up and he has worked tirelessly for 20 years because he's right. passionate about what God's called him to do and he's grateful for you uh, you know introducing him to your website he, he does when he has a moment a day <laughs> he studies he I mean he, I don't say this lightly he studies he's on your website uh, several people's websites and uh, 
he wants to learn as much as he wants to share this. And I will say, folks, if you're, they're always looking for money, and I believe this with everything in my body. If you do absolutely nothing, then absolutely nothing gets done. And I just refuse to have that as a as a hallmark to my life and the gift that the Father's given me. So I've attached myself to Restoring Children International. This is, yeah, amen. I think if you can find one thing to yep. support, there's one thing being supported. But, and something uh, outside the U.S. <laughs> yes. Well, whatever the Father puts on your heart. Well, I know, uh, but I, you know, I always have had kind of a thing about people in other countries because I you know we we don't think about them in our day-to-day -day. so it's good it's good to have something that takes you outside your comfort zone yes and and along those same lines while I was there I'm thinking we in the United States we have no idea we have no idea how blessed we are and then I come back here and see this stupid political thing going on and stupid arguments on Facebook and I go my goodness, my God, you, you are blessed beyond. There's people in Peru that can't even think like us right? because they don't have the blessings that we have. So um, I, I see we're out of time, but I do want to say this. Restoring Children International, um, they're always needing money. They're always needing funds. So if you, uh, if you have a few extra dollars, please go to their website, make a little donation. You, Amen. You, that's the other thing, Dina. We in America don't really know what our money does. I saw right. what it does. And that's cool. So that's, anyway. That's, that's impressive. Well, I really appreciate it. I know, you know, we didn't cover as much ground as you wanted to, but uh, I felt it was important to, for people to really, uh, if we're going to talk about the stories, they need to kind of understand the lay of the land. So. Well, I also want to congratulate you on, on what you're doing with uh, Israel TV Network. Your your show's becoming quite popular. You showed you shared with me, and I know that's hard work. So uh, we'll talk about that next week as well. Sure, sounds good. All right. Well, thanks for joining us, and we will see you next time. Shalom. Shalom, everybody. Thank you. Bye bye.